the hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together. flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Visions, visions that God gave individuals in Scripture and what those visions speak to us about and the direction they give for us. We um, have talked about Isaiah. The Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And that, I think, is a primary way that we need to begin our year, seeing God high and lifted up. And then Paul had a vision and he saw a man saying, come and help us. Anytime you've seen the grandeur of God, you'll see the need of mankind. And God's calling in your life will be clarified. Then we saw Daniel as he said, I saw the future. And what do you know about the future? Here's what I know. I know that the Ancient of Days is still on the throne. Somebody say amen. amen. The Ancient of Days is still on the throne. And I know that Jesus is coming back. And with that in mind, I can face whatever tomorrow brings. Ezekiel steps up and Ezekiel says, I saw a valley. I saw a valley. I wish I could tell you that life is full of wonderful mountaintop experiences. And there are those mountaintop experiences that we can be thankful for. But there are also valley experiences that are life-changing. Now, I know that valleys can be used to speak of a place of growth and comfort and calm and quiet, but usually in Scripture, valleys speak of a negative experience in your life. There's a valley of decision that has to be entered into. There are valleys of battles. David wrote about the valley of the shadow of death, and it's that kind of valley that Ezekiel says that he saw. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very, very dry. Not a real powerful image that you want to focus your mind on at the start of a new year. 
And yet the reality is some of us will face, all of us will face in the next year, valley experiences that appear to be full of dead men's bones. You may be experiencing one of those right now where others are seeing valleys of lush green growth. You look in your valley and it's full of arid, dry, dead bones. Well, the good news and the heart of our gospel message is the resurrection. Everything we believe wraps around the resurrection. If you take out the resurrection, Paul said, we are of all men most miserable. If you take out the resurrection, there is no story of newness of life. If you take out the resurrection, there's no power of God to change your world. There's no divine healing. There's no miracle working power of God. If you take out the resurrection, everything that we believe wraps around the resurrection story. And the reason that's encouraging to me personally is it means that as long as God is alive, there's still hope for the future. That when you stare into your valley of dead men's bones, whether that be finances, relationships, job, your attitude, your heart, your overall demeanor, and you just see deadness and dryness and emptiness as long as the God of resurrection is still alive on in our world, there's the possibility for you to experience that same resurrection power in whatever, whatever area of your life you need. So I want you to think about it this way. This morning I would ask you, are you in a valley of dead men's bones? And if you see a valley of dead men's bones, what is it we need to get through that experience and realize resurrection power in the middle of the deadness that we see? And I think there are three components that come to light in this chapter. I love this chapter. I love to read this chapter. I, I thought about playing uh, uh, one of those old quartet groups singing and the toe bone's connected to the foot bone and the foot bone, you know, but I kind of like this better. I thought it captured the imagery a little better. What do you need when you look at the valley of dry bones? Your life, your circumstances, deadness all around. What we need is where we started. We need a divine revelation. Your world is not defined. Hear me clearly right now. Your world is not or should not be defined by what you see. It should be defined by what God sees. It's not defined by what you see. It needs to be defined by what God sees. That's why Ephesians tells us in the spirit, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ above the storms of the world so that you can see what God sees. We need a divine revelation. Ezekiel is brought into the valley and here's what the Spirit of God asks him. Son of man, can these bones live? Often, God works, at least in my life and in Scripture, and I would dare say probably in yours, by leading you through questions that he will impress on your spirit. Those questions are designed to bring a response out from you that will empower you to get through the dilemma that you're facing. Looking at that valley of dead men's bones, the Spirit says, can these bones live? 
And I want you to watch carefully to what Ezekiel says. This is critical for the Pentecostal church, for charismatics. It's critical. He says, I don't, I, I, I'm going I'm to pause for a moment for dramatic effect. He says, Lord, only you know. The mistake the positive confession movement made years ago is still being made by believers today in Pentecostal circles is we think that our confession will change the mind of God. We think that if we declare what we want, that God as a heavenly bellboy will bring it to pass. And if we don't have a positive confession, someone will tell you that it's doubt. Write down what you want. Begin to confess what you want. Begin to speak that into existence and see it come to pass. And that is not where your miracle starts. Your miracle does not start in your mouth. It starts in the mind of God. And you've got to have a divine revelation. Don't be so arrogant as to say, God, I know what you ought to do. God, I know what needs to happen, and I'm going to tell you what you should do next. Ezekiel stands there and says, God, I don't know. I don't know what can happen. I don't know what will happen, but here's what I do know. If you ask the question, then you've got an answer, and I want to hear what you have to say in the middle of my valley of dry bones. Faith is not imposing your wishes on your circumstances. It's praying that the will of God be done in the midst of your circumstances. And those are not the same concepts. We do not impose it with our wishing. We do it by confessing his revelation. And it starts with an honest assessment of where you are. I get so tired of dealing with believers who won't admit the trouble they're in. You're creating a positive image doesn't change your negative reality. One of the things that I laughed about years ago, and I've shared this story before, but a pastor was, or evangelist was preaching that no Christian should ever say they had an incurable illness. Because if you say you have an incurable illness, you're saying that God can't heal it. So no one, he went on to preach that, and we shouldn't say that, we should confess, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And then at the end, he gave an altar call, and the first layer of his altar call, I want all of you who have an incurable illness to come forward. <laughs> Nobody should have responded to that, Brother Tim, no one should have responded to that, because he said we shouldn't confess that. You see how we get trapped? I don't have a cold, I just have the symptoms. Keep your symptoms to yourself then. Sneeze on your own hanky, not on my arm. How many are hearing what I'm saying? Why play games? An honest assessment. Ezekiel doesn't walk out there and say, what dead bones? I don't see dead bones. I see a mighty army. Glory to God. I see victory in the camp. He sees a valley full of dry bones. They're dead. They're very dry. They're not just dry. They're very dry. And I believe that the miracle power of God begins by you accurately assessing the valley that you're facing. It is not a lack of faith to say, I'm in trouble. It is not a lack of faith to say that I'm sick. It's not a lack of faith to say I'm broke. 
It's not a lack of faith to say, I need your help. It's not a lack of faith to say, I'm in trouble. I believe that the miracle power of God begins when you're willing to assess the circumstances that you're in and bring them before God and wait for his revelation. Is there anyone in the house? Your assessment is not the final authority. It starts with recognizing that you're facing a dilemma. Sovereign Lord, you know. And what I love here is that he uses the term sovereign. Let us never forget, church, who's in charge. (laughs) I said, let us never forget who's in charge. The ancient of days. I said, the ancient of days is sitting on the throne. He's been before you existed. And he will be where you have not yet been. He's got it covered from alpha to omega. From beginning to end, he knows it all, and he's in charge. I listen to some Christians talk, and you would think that they're applying for a vacancy in the Trinity. There's no vacancy in the Trinity. God's not looking for you to join his board. He is sovereign. Someone say amen this morning. He is sovereign, and we need to see what he sees and hear what he says. Sovereign Lord. You're in charge. I give all of this to you. Resurrection is an act of divine sovereignty. Here's what he's saying. God, I see the valley. (laughs) I see the valley. But I've not yet heard what you have to say about the valley. I don't know if you're feeling what I'm feeling, but I know I am. Sovereign Lord. I see the valley, but I've not yet heard what you want to have happen here. This is my prayer. Open our eyes, Lord, that we can see what you see. One of my favorite stories in the Bible uh, is any one of them that's in there. But one in particular, when Elisha stands there and the servant of Elisha says, we're surrounded, we're dead, we can't get out of this mess. Why? Because he took what he saw and he accepted that as the evaluation of his circumstance. And Elisha said, God, open his eyes. Let him see what else is here. And instead of seeing himself surrounded by the, by the army of the enemy, he saw that the army of the enemy was surrounded by the armies of God. Let's see what God sees. He's got an answer bigger than ours, and he's got a sustenance for you that will carry you through the dry time. Your evaluation is not the final answer. But when you see what's wrong, you can say, God, I don't know what ought to happen here. You're sovereign. Let me see what you see. Let me respond like you would respond. Resurrection power does not start with your declaration of faith. Resurrection power starts with his divine revelation of intent. God, what is it you want to do? That's what we need, a divine revelation. We'll be talking about some things tonight about the future and the direction that I believe God's calling us to. And I don't know how any of that's going to happen. But here's what I know. I know that all of us need a vision from the throne room of God. What is it that God wants to do? What is it that he's declaring? And in your life, if you're in a valley of dry bones, what should you do? Take it to God and say, here's my valley. 
here are my finances, here's my marriage, here are my children, here's my job, here are my neighbors, here's my circumstance. And God is full of dead, dry bones. Sovereign God, what do you see when you look into my valley? <laughs> Starts with divine revelation. I'm going to say it again. I say this a lot, but I just feel like I have to. We say that the word of God is powerful. It is. But you have to understand how it's to be used. Isaiah does not say the word of God will accomplish where you send it. Read it again. It says the word of God will not return to God void, and it will accomplish the thing whereunto he sends it. What does that mean? It means when you're facing the valley, don't flip through your Bible and put your finger down. Don't pull a promise out of your promise box and claim it. Get alone in your private closet of prayer and say, God, give me a divine revelation. What's your word for this moment? What's your scripture that I can hold on to? What's your answer? And stay there until the sovereign God lets you see what he sees and everything in your world will change. Amen. Everything in your world will change. It's the power of divine revelation. Secondly, <laughs> you need a prophetic declaration. God can do anything he wants to do and doesn't need your help. But nothing in this world will be done without you participating in the revelation of God. Then he said to me, <laughs> prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The next step from receiving a divine revelation is now confessing that divine revelation. Let it fill your mouth. Now you need to talk. Now you need to give voice to what you have seen. And it's not about what you want. It's about what you saw. And if these dry bones are going to live, God already sees it. God has already declared it. God has already willed it. And he's waiting for someone to stand up and begin to prophesy it. Prophesy to these dry bones. We need men and women of God who are willing to walk in the spirit of God and declare what God has said, to begin to proclaim what God has revealed, to proclaim what God has willed, and to begin to walk in it. A lot of people are speaking things they imagine or hope for, but once you have heard from God, you need to make it yours and let it fill your mouth. Prophecy isn't speaking what you thought up, Prophecy is speaking what God has said, and that is so critically important to the Pentecostal walk in spiritual gifts. God can do the supernatural through you. Hello, God can do the supernatural through you. I'm going to tell you a story. Just happened, I serve on the presbytery. Sometimes there are things that aren't exciting, and then there are times that are things that are overwhelmingly exciting. And if you're going to be credentialed with the Assemblies of God, you have to be born again. <laughs> we don't give credentials to people that aren't born again. You have to know Jesus. 
And then you have to be filled with the Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues. If you're going to be credentialed with us, you have to walk in what we believe, and that includes being a tongue talker. Now, let me just give you a moment, because some of you have never experienced that gift, and he wants it for all of you. And the way to get that gift is just to be a worshiper, and when that language begins to flow out of you, give voice to that. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second here, because I believe 2020 needs to be propelled forward by people willing to respond supernaturally to the gifts of the Spirit. So I want you to walk with me for a moment on what prophecy really is. So I'm talking to this lady, and uh, she wants to be part of our fellowship. And we're talking about her spiritual journey, and she said she volunteered that she's never spoken in tongues. But she said, I've had some unusual experiences. This was amazing to me. She's a chaplain, a chaplain at a hospital. And in the hospital, here's what she told me. She walked into a room, in an emergency room setting where there was a little girl who was Vietnamese and began to, she knew a, a greeting in Vietnamese she'd picked up somewhere. So she walked up and greeted the girl in Vietnamese. The girl responded to her and then she said, I began to talk to her in English. And to my amazement, she responded to me in English. And we had a great conversation about what was going on, what was happening, and, what she, and calmed her down. And after about 20 minutes of conversation, the, one of the nurses watching came up to her and said, when did you learn Vietnamese? I don't know Vietnamese. Well, you spoke fluent Vietnamese and she answered you in Vietnamese. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now watch, God didn't give her the ability to speak another language, but what God did do was in that moment give her the privilege of experiencing a gift of languages in a, which would be a, a voice of prophecy that she can't continue on with, but she was unaware, watch this, she was unaware of being used in that gift. She said there was one other time that that happened, walked into a man's room, and uh, he was German and didn't speak hardly any English, and she knew a little bit of German, Vigatistu, uh, Guten Tag, something like that. She said just to greet him, and he responded back, and she began to talk to him in English, and he responded in English, and they had a great visit about the things of God. And a nurse walked in and said, how long have you spoken German? She said, I don't speak German. You were speaking fluently something to him, and he was responding. God can do amazing things if we'll just walk in the Spirit. So I said to her, that's not the gift of tongues. That's a supernatural manifestation of a gift of languages for a moment, for a time, for a place. But I said, I want you to understand that the gift of tongues is right behind your teeth. And I'm going to take a moment to teach just a moment because I think the greatest way for you to be filled with the Spirit is get alone with God and say, give me, fill me up, and let that language come out of me. And I said, I imagine you're waiting for your mouth and tongue to just take off. And she said, yes, that's what I expect. This is God. It doesn't happen that way. You are full control of your jaw, your air, your vocal cords, your tongue. You will do the speaking. 
The difference is it flows from here rather than from here. And it feels a lot like speaking in English <laughs> it, because you're in charge, you're in control, but a new language, new sounds come out. And I said to her, you're half a step away from experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues. Here's my cell number. When you pray tonight, I want you to ask God for that gift and let it flow out of you. And I want to be the first one that you call. I'm sitting in press meeting the next day. My phone rings about 1030. I can't answer it. But there's a voice message that Pastor Gary, you're right. Last night when I got alone with God to pray, I just decided to try it and began to speak in another heavenly language. And I will never be the same after God filled me with the Spirit and the language flowed out of me. I'm saying to you, church, this ought to be a place where everybody is filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants that gift for you just like he wanted it for Peter or Paul or the disciples. And it's just simple. Be a worshiper. Get alone with God. Fill me with your spirit. And then just step out and let it flow out of you. And I want to be the first one that hears about it when it happens. During worship, just let it flow. I'd be glad to explain more about that. What does that have to do with anything? Here's what it has to do with that. If you can yield your tongue to God in a language that you don't understand that bypasses your intellect, you're learning to tame your tongue and yield it to the Holy Spirit. And then when there's a prophetic word that needs to be, that needs to be given, you've already trained your mouth, you've already trained your tongue, and it's ready to speak forth the wonderful works of God. God did a miracle for that lady of speaking and of hearing in the little girl. And I'm telling you, he's got wonderful things to do because what we're to covet is to covet to prophesy. What is that? It's speaking forth. The voice of God. I'm not interested in you giving some harebrained reading to somebody that you think God gave you, but I am excited about this being filled with people who want to be the mouthpiece of God and forth tell the truth that you're speaking what he has said and you can walk up to someone and have a word from God that he's given you that will confirm, be confirmed by their spirit. And what might happen if our goal was on Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I see dead bones. What do you want me to do, God? And he says, I want you to prophesy. And we'd be ready to speak forth the word of God. We'll change our city. We'll change our church. We'll change our neighborhoods. To prophesy. Say what God says to you. Let the word of God fill your mouth. Words have power. Look at those dead, whatever it is in your life, look at those dead dry bones. Hear from God and then say to them what he says. I've shared this story numerous times, but I want to tell it again. How many of you have heard about my 27 warts on my hands? Hold up your hand if you've heard it. Who's not heard it? I just need two. Thank you. I had 27 warts all over these hands. I'd been prayed for. I believed God, I'd done everything, I'd burned one off, and that was a horrible experience. And I heard God say, that was my valley of dry bones. When you, I couldn't even shake hands with people. It's embarrassing when you go to, not shaking hands with that. And God said, I want you to curse them the way I cursed the fig tree. Every day I looked at my hands, I cursed the warts, not my hands. And commanded them to dry up. Days, 
Weeks went by, and I kept prophesying what God told me to prophesy. They didn't get smaller. They didn't change in appearance. And one day, driving down the highway, I heard God say, look at your hands. I almost went in the ditch. There wasn't one left. There wasn't a scar. There wasn't a mark. They disappeared. Look into your valley of dry bones. Hear the revelation of God. And then own that and begin to prophesy that into your situation. My marriage, what does it need? It needs a touch from God. God, I'm confessing what you've said about my family, about my job, about my neighborhood, about my community. I'm going to speak the word of God. Nothing happens until we take the word of God and then we, come, we, come, we cast it into our world. Covet to prophesy. There's a sense in which your words do bring his revelation into existence. There's a sense, a limited sense. God said he looked for a man to stand in the gap. God could have closed the gap and saved the people, but because there was no one to stand there in his sovereignty of giving you free will, he will not overpower that. You have to respond. God rolls the water back when you put your foot in. Lazarus comes out of the tomb when the word of God says, come forth. There's prophetic power in speaking what God has revealed to you. You should covet to prophesy. You should covet to be the voice of God, a supernatural mouthpiece for God. What do the dead, dry bones in our lives need? They need to hear the word of the Lord. They don't need to hear the word of you. They need to hear the word of the Lord. We need a divine revelation in our valley of dry bones. We need a prophetic declaration. And we need to fix that cracking. <laughs> we are trying to find it, believe me. I'm not trying to find anything, but they are. Third, what will come from that? Listen, divine revelation, prophetic declaration will, respond, will, will um, create, produce, a spiritual rejuvenation. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. <laughs> if that doesn't make doodads go up and down your back, you didn't hear what I said. You're in your valley of dry bones. This is what the sovereign Lord says. It's the prophetic voice. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these dead, very dry bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Hallelujah! When those dead, dry bones begin to stand up and march, the world will know that he's the Lord. In your valley of dry bones, when you prophesy and it's rejuvenated and comes to life, everyone will know that there's a God in heaven who still answers prayer. I will make breath enter you. Do you know that he is the spirit of life? Breathing the breath of God into the death in the valley God begins to breathe life after you proclaim his truth, and that's the wonderful thing about the power of God. I've never in my life ever believed that I was 
given a supernatural gift to implement as I wanted to. A lady in our church went to a camp meeting. They gave her the gift of healing in her right hand. I don't know if she ever loses that. I guess her left hand wouldn't work. You don't own them, he does. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't own them, he does. And when he reveals and you respond, then he implements. Hallelujah. I said when he reveals and you respond, then he implements. And he's the one that brings it to pass. He does what no other power can do. He spoke life. He breathed life into Adam and Eve. And Aaron Rodgers, I've got news for you this morning. The same God that you reject and dismiss in public is a God that you will stand before someday. And our God is not wanting to condemn most of the world to hell, Mr. Rogers. I'm telling you, he's offered a way of life that no one ever have to go to hell. There's a place to walk in him that you can receive truth and life. And just as he breathed the spirit of life into Adam and Eve, he will breathe the spirit of life into your valley of dead bones. And when he does, nothing stays the same. What does your marriage need? Needs God to breathe life into it. What does your family need? Needs God to bring, breathe life into that. What do your finances need? Needs God to breathe life into that. Whatever your valley of dead bones is, he is the giver of life. God begins to breathe life after you proclaim his truth. I will make breath enter you. But before you do, here's what I will do. I will attach tendons to you. Now, I think there's a practical application in the word of God to that. I mean, what good, what good are living bones that are disconnected? That's like a full-time Halloween nightmare. <laughs> These dead bones are all dancing. No, no, no. God doesn't give life without giving tendons. There will be something to do. Why does he give tendons? So that that body can pick things up. So that that body can walk so that that body can lift arms, so those dead bones can begin to respond. And we have to get away from the idea that we need a miracle because we're special. Anytime, hear me, that the miracle power of God is revealed in your world, it'll come with tendons. There'll be something to do. There'll be action that needs to be taken. There'll be some expression of God that will need to be fulfilled. It's not just so they can live. He won't do a miracle just so you can live, but to empower you to do something for his kingdom purposes. He's got a purpose for your life. Out of the valley of dry bones, he has a purpose for you, and that life will come with tendons that will allow those dead bones to work together again. Ephesians chapter 4, I just feel like as we look ahead to the future, that the drive of tendons is to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. They're going to have to work together, which means then they're going to have to be linked together again. I'm going to give tendons. Now, did he need to tell us that? No. I mean, it's easy to figure out. If they're going to walk, something's going to have to happen. Why does he signify that? Because there's a bringing together. There's a linking together. We are the body of Christ. There's a joining together. Life is being restored and empowered to walk again. And then he's going to put flesh now, I might be stretching this a little bit, and you can disagree with me. 
But after I attach tendons to you, I will make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. <laughs> Why? So it's not zombie land. You know what skin does? It covers so that you can be acceptable and received by people around you. He will give you something to do and he'll give you a covering that will make what you do acceptable and responsive. They're gonna be covered with tendons, with muscle, with skin. And it says, then you will know in verse six, I am the Lord. Goes on to describe everything that happens and when you jump down to verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet a vast congregation, a vast Sunday school class, a vast what? A vast army. Why do you have an army? You have an army to do warfare. You have an army to get engaged in the work that God has called to do. There's something this city needs and we can be that answer as part of the army of God. To be part of the army of God. Then you will know and they will know that I am the Lord. <laughs> Why are you standing before a valley of dry bones? You're standing before a valley of dry bones because he's waiting for you to recognize that he is the sovereign Lord. And then he's going to equip and empower you to join the army of God. I probably shared this I didn't know whether to take this as a compliment or a criticism. I was had a discouraging moment. How many of you have ever had a discouraging moment? The rest of you are liars. How many of you, come on, have had a discouraging moment? Don't leave me up here by myself. Don't leave me hanging. And how many of you have ever wondered, is it worth it? I had one of those moments. And someone from another state sent a card. It just happened. Don't tell me it just happened. It just happened in my schedule, but it was perfect in God's timing. I'm sitting there feeling like, I don't know if any of this is worth it when I opened that letter. And I'm reading this letter, handwritten note from someone that I had no idea was going to reach out, read through that. And at the very end, it said, fight, because that's what you do best. Yeah. Now, that, that's not always a compliment. Are you hearing me? So I called and said, would you like to explain that line? <laughs> Fight, that's what you do best? He said, I thought you might not understand what I was trying to say. The point was this, God's called you to be a warrior. Don't try to be something else. I'm saying to you, we are all warriors. Amen. Don't try to be something else. That same prophetic word that was given to me, I'm giving to you because he will raise a valley of dry bones, not into a self-help group filled with people contemplating their problems. He's not going to turn you into a marshmallow generation of sissies feeling offended at everything that happens. Here's what will happen. When you rise up in the life of God, you'll become part of his army. <laughs> devil look out yes. 
in 2020, yes. Berean Church is on the march. Yes. Is there anyone in the house right now? Does that sound arrogant to you? Nah, I don't mean it to be arrogant. I had a divine revelation. And I'm prophesying to you what I heard him say. Your valley of dry bones is going to come to life. And when it does, it's to empower you to join the army of God. And let's put the devil to flight. Pastor Nathan, if you'd come. I want to do something a little different right now. Two things that I want to do. We're going to worship in a moment. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues, this would be a great moment just during worship, just to let it happen. Just give it a shot. You say, what if I'm just making it up? You'll know right away. But here's what he says. If you ask him for a gift, he's going to give you that gift. Why not try and step in the water and see what happens this morning? But I think there's some people in a discouraged place that are standing in a valley of dry bones and you need to hear the word of the Lord let's all stand together and if you are in that place of a valley of dry bones and maybe it's dryness in your spirit and you need a rejuvenation and infilling of the spirit of God maybe it's a, a situation at work or at home that you see that's dragging you down would you just come around the front right now real quickly there's a valley of dry bones you want to bring before Jesus this morning bring your valley of dry bones up here we're just going to pray with you for revelation Come on, there's some others of you that need to come and join these that are coming. We're going to believe God for a moment of divine revelation. A moment of divine revelation. Bring your valley of dry bones. God's going to let you see something new and fresh this morning. I'm going to ask those of you who will that can, some men and women, to come and just gather around these, begin to pray. Will you do that? Come quickly. And if you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues, as these are coming to pray, why don't you just come down here where the, where the water is, where the flow is. Just come, as many of you will that come, let's fill the altar space. Will you help me this morning? Come and let's fill this altar place, and let's begin to worship God together. Let's begin to worship God together. Come on, let's lift his name. Begin to pray in that language. Begin to pray in that heavenly language. Let's for divine revelation from Lord God. Lord is in this place. He's in this place. Lord is in this place. Come Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Not for a As I walk now through the valleys, 
Let your love rise above every fear. Like the sun shaping the shadow.
when you release that power of the spoken word, when you release that power, the Spirit of God will accompany that. It may not be instantaneous. It may be days later, weeks later, but you can be assured that if he said it, it will not return to him void, but it will accomplish the thing whereunto he sends it. God, what have you said? And once you hear that, shout it from the mountaintops. This is what the sovereign Lord said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. So thankful that our perception does not define our reality. But it's your revelation that should define our reality. Let us see what you see. And then give us the courage to speak what you've said. I ask in Jesus' name. And everyone that loves him said, amen, 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 amen. God bless you. Greet someone, encourage someone in Jesus today.